Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth. I'm, of course, Alan Weiss, and my guest today is Guido Kell, who I believe I've known for 25 years. He's going to correct me if I'm wrong about that. Guido's known as the growth driver. He's located in Dortmund, Germany. And his clients are active CEOs, general managers, entrepreneurs, all committed to consistent growth. His consulting firm is Mandat. It um, has offices in London and New York, in addition to Dortmund. And he's conducted more than 600 projects with 300 renowned private and listed companies. He's the author and or co-author of more than 400 professional articles, three university course texts, and 20 books. His seminal English book, Profitable Growth, Release Internal Growth Breaks and Bring Your Company to the Next Level, has readers in more than 50 countries. Since 2012, Guido has hosted the annual International Brands Colloquium, a very unique event on strategy, branding, and growth among CEOs and managing directors. Guido, happy to have you here. Thanks for inviting me, Alan. Is 25 years correct? Does that sound right? I think it's more. <laughs> no kidding. I think uh, really, it's. I think it's 17, 17 years or so. Yeah, so almost twenty-five. This morning, as you know, you know, I'm driving uh, our German Shepherd to puppy school, and I've got the radio on, uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to you this morning. And the radio clip says, uh, "As of this morning, Germany has lapsed into recession." It says to me on the radio. We don't always get accurate news in the U.S. from overseas. You know that as well as I do. So why don't we just start uh, by you describing briefly, you know, what are the economic conditions in which you're operating right now? <laughs> you know what, Alan? I must I must really laugh because, laugh because um, just the other day I told someone, you know what? Uh, tomorrow I have an interview in the U.S. and I really hope we're talking business, <laughs> not economy. <laughs> uh, I, I'll go to business after this. <laughs> Okay, so the news is right. Uh, we just dropped into a recession, and I um, on Twitter, I just wrote today, "Hello Berlin." Anybody recognize that? <laughs> because I really, I really, I'm really upset with the performance of our government. And on the um, on one of the radio stations, I just read quarter of an hour ago or so. I just read uh, the reason for this. Listen, the reason for this. You can't make this up are the people who are not spending enough. And I said, you you can't, this is Schutzpah, right? Uh, people are not spending enough because our government um, creates a very um, instabile uh, condition and uh, we have no means to, no really good means to, um, to uh, work um, against the inflation. And we, they are they are increasing measures in terms of climate um, uh, climate um, saving uh, saving the world in terms of uh, climate. Um, what do you call it? Climate um, climate change. Yeah, climate change and so on. Yeah. Um, I think we we need to be um, we need to be um, very very um, uh, we we need to make sure that climate change is really an issue but if if uh, there is a government and i don't mean this in terms of our party politics it's really general politics um, if there is a government uh, that is not able to 
to find the right measures and that overwhelms the, the, the people. And then there is a radio station that says, well, you know what? The reason for the recession is the people who are not spending enough. This is more than ironic. Okay, I promise we return to business and we shall here. Yes, oh, I thank, you for, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I got it all right. You're welcome. Uh, what do you, you deal with the kind of clients I spoke about a few minutes ago. What are they most concerned about today as you as you help them out? Um, first of all, a lot of clients, even successful ones we're dealing with, uh, are facing this multi-crisis environment, right? The the the, the war in the Ukraine, uh, inflation. Um, uh, COVID, which is over, but that, that was in the, in, the, in the past. And there are a lot of crises and there's a lot of insecurities um, uh, people are facing. And even successful companies are hesitating currently. Um, what is the right thing to do? And we help them, number one, figure out what is the right thing to do. And since only successful companies are um, working with us, are approaching us who want to be, who want to uh, get better at what they do or get better um, for the future in doing different things we are also um, talking about what's the right strategy and you just um, talked about my uh, my most important English book it's about often it's about releasing internal breaks companies do not know how good they can be because they have accepted certain uh, statues which is um not questioned anymore and we are as a third party you know it better than i do uh, we have it's easier for us to to address internal breaks and um, make sure that this that there are released but you have a boutique firm you have what about 10 or 12 people right now yes 10. okay mm-hmm. have you found that increasingly your work is remote that is not physically being on site uh or did your work demand that you be on site it's it's funny. Before the um, Corona period, the COVID crisis, we told people because we were used to this. Um, we told our clients, you know what? For the one or the other thing, we can do a video conference on Skype or Zoom. Or we had a Zoom account before everybody uh, knew how to write Zoom. Um, and people said, "Oh, that's impossible. We need to meet." We said, well, we, we are experienced in doing this. No, no, we need to meet. Okay, fair enough. Today, when you want to make a phone call, people ask, why don't we do a Zoom conference, right? So this has changed significantly. And we prefer to be on site at the client or that we invite them to us. Always when we have strategic issues to discuss, discuss when we have to do creative sessions, when we um, when it's not a routine meeting. And we prefer remote work when it's a routine meeting, a project review or whatever, um, or it is a one-on-one consulting um, personally in uh, with with CEOs or um, uh, or owners of firms. So um, we and our clients are used to this now. We prefer to choose the right means for the right topic. You have an office in London. Uh, as you know, I've done a lot of work in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and I, in fact, have met in the UK a few times. Uh, so this is a business question, not a political one. But w- what are the implications for business in Europe uh, and your business post-Brexit? Has it? Made, I mean, you talk to people in the UK, you've got a two-day conversation. But from your point of view, you know, sort of looking west, what is it like for you? Uh, for us? 
there is, uh, since we didn't have too much business in the UK, um, there there is um, not that big a change. But if I talk to people who are doing more business in the UK, they are really um, they're impressed about the new regulations um, and about about uh, things. Our, our office, the the owner of the office, um, approached us just before Brexit to uh, to provide information, detailed information we had never to provide before, and this is this is new. So there is a certain barrier, and I think this is political. I think the Brits haven't done their sell themselves uh, a favor in Brexiting. Uh, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Now, uh, in the United States, there's um, a lot of debate about whether uh, today's workers uh, are sufficiently motivated. You know, so we talk about the Great Resignation and quietly quitting the gig economy. You know, yada yada yada. <laughs> So with the firms you deal with, these large firm, major firms that you deal with, uh, is there a problem with employee motivation? Is there a problem with the employee work ethic? Or that's not one of the issues to, to be concerned about? I think executives, well, I think it's it's poor leadership. If people are not motivated, the first question, I have. I always ask when when clients approach us. Well, our people are not motivated, or even in our own firm, when we see that one or the other person is not that motivated uh, anymore, uh, the first question must be, what is the reason? What what can I do to bring that person back to the level where it where where the person came from? Not in terms of extrinsic motivation. I know. I mean, we know that doesn't work. Um, you, you can't. You can't um, uh, tell a top scorer um, you need to bring the ball into the goal. So this is this doesn't work. But um, when we talk about uh, intrinsic motivation, more often than not, uh, the leadership is uh, insufficient in terms of um, in terms of um, creating an environment where people really can be um, and be the best they can they can they can be and it's i think more often than not it's not about uh, the motivation uh, of the person alone it's a, a question of leadership and the same with work work ethic in our company yes it's small 10 people um people like to work they want to work um they like the project they have and even if we are a small firm you can Transfer these these patterns to bigger firms as well, and and our client the clients that are really successful uh, don't have these issues. So we were talking about whether clients have sufficiently motivated workers. Uh, I want to carry that over to uh, France now. Germany is the biggest economy in Europe, correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. And France is what second or third? Yeah. Okay. Kind of. All right. So we Marie and I were there. Uh, we were in Paris about a month ago. And of course, we were lucky. The strikes didn't affect us too much. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the strikers were very polite in that they would publish where they were striking and for how long. When we left, the plane was at the gate and the pilot said, we have to wait 45 minutes. The air traffic control is going on strike for 45 minutes. So everything is planned. But here's my question, you know. Uh, in all developed countries, 
And this applies to China, the US, Canada, you know, Germany, France. Uh, morbidity is outpacing fertility. And so the death rate is outpacing the birth rate. Consequently, there's going to be a labor shortage. And even with automation, even with artificial intelligence, uh, the intelligent immigration is going to have to be a factor because there's going to be a labor shortage. Now, the French uh, were protesting because they want the retirement age to be kept where it is and not raised two years, as the president put through rather you know, unilaterally. Um, and by the way, around the presidential palace, we found that the police were three deep and they all had machine guns. And so uh, my question to you is, uh, do you find that businesses and society are looking intelligently at the fact that there's going to be a labor shortage uh, and it has to be somehow accommodated? What, what, do you, what is, is it being discussed? What's the prevailing thought about it? Uh, first, they don't. They don't. They, they don't. they don't see, they, they don't have the right look at this issue. I mean, uh, the dem demographic factors, they are well known about, for how long, Alan? 40 years? Yeah, yeah. It's well known. And everybody says, you know what, um, retirement plans are safe and yada, yada, yada. Um, I didn't believe it 40 years ago. And so this is this is really an issue. We're talking about four four days week, right? right. Four days work week. We talk about um, the thirty hours week at four days probably. We talk about retirement at the at the age of what sixty three or what? Um, here in Germany, we are at uh, I think my official retirement uh, uh, year would be I, I think it's in ten years when I'm sixty seven. But I, I I mean look how 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 is how can we manage this it's impossible so we need more work we need more flexible work why don't we talk about a 42 hours week voluntarily why don't we talk about that maybe people want to do this uh why don't we talk about um distributing the hours more over the week including the saturday not only at the pol in, in police business but only in real um, normal economic businesses uh why don't we talk about uh, increasing the retirement age in terms of the um, the increasing life expectancy. Why don't we talk about intelligent models? Why why are we really we can't afford to do this? I mean, I'm a growth expert, and growth is a result of the past. And in order to grow further, we need to act accordingly in the present, and not to um, not to um, relax on what we have achieved from doing in the past. And this is something I think no one or not not enough people are um, dare to, not enough people dare to articulate this. And not enough people think intelligently about this. And not as not enough people think intelligently about growth. That's really fascinating. I mean, one of my, um, one of my observations is that um, immigration is not any longer merely a social or humanitarian issue. It's a business mm -hmm. issue. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, what are your predictions? I, I alluded briefly to uh, artificial intelligence and automation and so forth. What, what are your predictions for what you see in Germany about the use of and growth of, of, of AI? Do you think it's overstated and it's too much of a, of a magic bullet, or do you think it's actively uh, being engaged to promote growth? Yeah, it's it's AI is a big thing. I I, I studied informatics in Germany, and I am an I'm a non non practitioner informatics, 
So uh, we talked about artificial intelligence uh, during my studies at the university. It is literally 35 years ago or so. But we didn't have the machine capacities for this. We were in theoretic models, neural networks, artificial intelligence, and all these kind of things. But we really knew already that, that this could be a really big thing once the machines were there. Now we have the machines. We have the the, the computer technology that enables um, artificial intelligence. And I think it's a big thing. Um, but here in Germany, at least, I don't know how it is in the U.S., here in Germany, it's regarded as a threat, a threat to work, a threat to ethics, a threat to whatever. And um, I think we need to embrace artificial intelligence as really a new dimension of um, creating wealth and growth, not as a as a competitor to traditional businesses, not as a competitor to traditional work, but as an extension, as an addition. And um, I'm a big fan of artificial intelligence. Yes, there are ethical issues to be discussed, correct. But talking about stopping development now, I mean, come on, what's that? Stop developing artificial intelligence? What's that? It doesn't make sense. So should I infer that German firms have not embraced it with great gusto, that it's it's sort of uh, it's slower there than it might be elsewhere in terms of its acceptance? I'm not sure. Uh, there are a couple of firms really uh, intelligently developing AI components. And we founded a startup in 2019, a software startup, which uh, integrates artificial intelligence as well, um, using it, not uh, and part of, kind of developing parts of AI. Um, but I think there is um, a lot of insecureness about AI because it's so new and um, um, so many people who have no clue about AI are talking about that, which is um, not really a good, uh, smart smart way to <laughs> accumulate knowledge, right? Um, I think we could do better. Let's put it this way. Back in the 90s, uh, I introduced the concept of value-based fees for consulting. Mm -hmm. And uh, as the years went by, uh, I was told by several people that this could never work in Germany, they told me. Uh, <laughs> So we never work in Germany. And then I met you. And um, you embraced it, I would say, with some, mm -hmm. some uh, fervor. Uh, and uh, you've been very successful using it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so uh, uh, why don't you talk for a few minutes on what the challenges are and the advantages are of trying to uh, deal with German executives in terms of a value-based fee and not an hourly or time-based fee? That's really good, uh, a very, very good topic. because. When I read Million Dollar Consulting, and uh, to the listeners, I'm not being paid for this. Um, <laughs> when I read Million Dollar Consulting, I immediately got what we need to need to change because we were proud. It was 19, uh, no, it was 2005, I think. 2006, we met. Yes, 2005. And we were in a crisis. We, I had a crisis in my firm, financial crisis, business crisis, whatever, that we were not... We, we had not cost, but this is a different issue. Um, and I read Million Dollar Consulting, and I immediately got that this is something we need to implement, the concept of value-based fees. And we were very proud about our transparent uh, daily rate system, hourly rate system. In fact, we um, um, had this classical um, 
way to charge our clients. Either we uh, worked for a couple of hours for the client or we didn't. So we charged or we didn't. And the first, I then, uh, the, the first challenge I was facing was to convince my staff. Yes, I was the owner, uh, but I had, for example, I had a managing director and um, he was not amused about this. And my, my staff, my, my consultants, they didn't understand what, why we should do this because it was transparent to charge hourly and so on and so forth. But uh, since it was my firm, we did it. We changed to uh, value-based fees. And the first point was it is much easier to start with a new client charging value-based fees than to convert existing clients from daily okay. rates to value-based fees. Okay. We managed the second, uh, the, the, the letter as well, but the former was uh, much easier. So we started, and the first, um, the, I, I remember it, the first proposal we send to a client, to a new client, to a new prospect, um, uh, value-based fees was a six-figure uh, proposal, and uh, we, got the, we got the assignment, which was very encouraging. And over the years, we I then decided we only um, offer projects based on value-based fees. No, uh, no a single, uh, no daily rates anymore. And that was really smart. Um, and by the way, that that saved our um, business life in uh, during the COVID period, because everything was prepaid. Every project was uh, was uh, ongoing. No single client canceled any project during the COVID period. COVID period, um, And I know from a lot of colleagues that they really had a hard time because uh, the people, the, the client said, okay, you know what, we need to stop here and you can get back to us when the crisis is over. Uh, but they were not paid anymore because they were depending on these daily rates. Uh, I'm a great fan of value-based fees and um, I'm a great fan, by the way, of, um, of proving that things are uh, wrong. So a lot of people, and you told me, a lot of people uh, were telling you it's not possible in Germany to implement value-based fees. And right. I said, okay, I will prove this wrong. And yeah. it worked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have two more questions for you. Uh, first, I, I want to make sure that um, everyone listening to this knows where to find you. So if they want more information on your firm, they want to read your books, whatever, what's a good place to get in contact? What's a good place to find out what you're offering? Um, first, um, if someone has a specific question, um, uh, my email is guido, G-U-I-D-O dot quelle, Q-U-E-L-L-E at mandat, M-A-N-D-A-T dot D-E. We have a German website, which is M-A-N-D-A-T dot D-E. And there is also a link to uh, a very kindly smaller, but also um, also very informative uh, informative uh, English website, which is I think m a n d a t mandat dash group dot com. Um, I think that's the best way. Okay, thank you. Now my last question is this: uh, Guido and I found out that uh, we uh, we both have a love of dogs. Uh, Guido's wife Suzanne is a very successful dog breeder, uh, and they they've won a great deal of um, of awards and shows throughout Europe. Uh, in fact, you have your, your own. Uh, what would you call? It? You have your own kennel. Is that correct? Your yes. Own? Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and it's a Le uh, the Leon Leon Meister. What? How do you say the dogs? Leon Berger. Leon Berger. Berger is the breed. Yes. yes. And these these make my shepherd seem small. Believe me. Uh, <laughs> so here's my question to you, though, Guido. Um, if you have to take a minute, that's fine. But um, what have dogs taught you? Because I get taught every day by dogs. I learn something every day, and it's valuable stuff. And um, I'm just wondering, you've had a, even a greater involvement than I have. What, what have you learned the most 
from your experience with dogs? I think in no specific order, it is to be in the moment because dogs are always in the moment and there are better in the moment than human beings used to be. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they are reacting faster and acting faster. Uh, Number two, in educating dogs, it's about discipline. So in a certain situation, the dog needs to behave the same and not um, this day that way, the other day that way. It doesn't work. I mean, we have, uh, you mentioned it, we have three Leonbergers currently, each um, uh, of, I think, 120 pounds or so. Um, and if they if they accelerate, you're lost. <laughs> so you need, you need to educate them um, kindly, not with force. But discipline, there needs to be um, a certain discipline in it. And um, the third thing is enjoy your life because it's short. Yeah. 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 God didn't make many mistakes, but the lifespan of dogs could have been improved upon, frankly. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Gino, thank you so much. It's good to see you again. And it's good to talk to you. And I, I hope we're together in person and not remotely sometime in the near future. Regards to Suzanne. And thanks very much. Regards to Maria. I hope also that we see each other soon again, Alan. Thanks for inviting me. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.